Welcome to the Tokyo Lens Podcast. As always, if you are a regular listener, welcome back. Right off the bat, you may notice that the audio today is a little bit different. It's because I'm recording this one on a totally different microphone with a slightly different setup. This might be a one-time only kind of deal, but if you really enjoy it, let me know and I'll see if I can't swing this for future podcast recordings. So today, today we're doing something a little special. Today, I'm inviting a guest into the podcast for the first time in probably seven, eight months. I think the last guest I did was the Omote Nashi podcast, and that was fantastic in its own. Um, if, if you haven't listened to it yet, it is by far one of my favorite and deepest podcasts. Check it out. So today's guest, Today's guest is very, very much location-based because right now, as I record this episode of the podcast, I am sitting in Matsuyama, Shikoku, and I'm sitting here with Sherry, who A, runs a YouTube channel out in this area, but more importantly, runs a borderline full-size corporation, Sherry's English, where she does everything from teaching English to consultation with companies on what they should do with their English and their, their pamphlets and their training and everything like that, all the way up to translation and localization, seminars, you name it. She's a one-man army, or one-woman army, if I will. Um, so without further ado, I'm just gonna let Sherry jump in and say hello. So, hi Sherry. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. You're doing awesome, fantastic. So today, what I want to talk to you guys a little bit about is the best place in Japan to live. And do, ex do excuse the noise in the background. Um, we're, we're in Sherry's office right now as we record this and the street noise <laughs> from outside is just, yes. it's very present, it's very present. But we're gonna be talking about the absolute best place to live in Japan. It's gonna be a little bit of discussion, probably a little bit of an argument between <laughs> Sherry and I. Scary. This is a conversation that Sherry and I have been having over the past couple of years, the half, wow, like half decade now, right. we've been having this discussion over and over and I kind of wanted to share it with you guys. So before we jump in though, I will say that I today did something that I have never ever done before. Do you remember what I did as we were in the car on the way to the office? Yeah. I listened to... Listen to... My own podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For like the very first time. <laughs> I was like, ever right oh that was painful <laughs> oh i've been doing this series of videos up on the youtube channel talking about my uh, my very first trip to japan i have these like 12 cassette tapes uh dv mini dv tapes of my very first trip to japan and I've been watching those, and those videos are very, very cringeworthy, but not nearly <laughs> as cringeworthy as the podcast. Um, how, how was my face and my reaction as I was listening to it? Um, well, I was focusing on driving, but <laughs> yeah, you were like, oh, I can't take this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one of the big things about the podcast is that the podcast itself isn't edited. And that's like the mm. big, big benefit because my videos are very heavily edited. Right. A lot of the content in them is cut, but all the mistakes, every little glitch is in the podcast. And mm. it, um, so to those of you who actually take the time to listen through all of that and still stick around for more podcasts, <laughs> I just want to take a little bit of time to send some gratitude your way. Thank you very much. Without any more delay, let's just jump right into today's podcast content. So. As I said, right now I am sitting in Matsuyama, which is in Ehime Prefecture in Shikoku, Japan. I'm gonna start with a little bit of a story as I often do. The very first time that I came to Japan, I traveled the entire country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what was, what was that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Except? Yes. Except Shikoku. And then you said Okinawa, you didn't go to Okinawa I didn't either, go to, right? I didn't go to Okinawa because I really felt like Okinawa, like we'll start there. Okinawa to me, uh, and I think to a lot of Japanese people, is not like Japan, Japan. Right. It's very tropical. It's a different experience all in its own. Mm -hmm. And I skipped Shikoku at the time because I was like, well, why would I need to go to Shikoku? And I missed out huge, and we're gonna get back to that. So, um, the very first time that I finally came to Shikoku was what, five or six years ago? 
Yeah, something like that. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> I was asking how many years, and she's like, something like that. Okay. In two thousand. <laughs> 2014. 2014, and it's wow, really? Yeah. It's only been like four years. I thought it was like five or six. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, and I was really taken aback by how amazing this place was, and it started with the flight in. You see, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, The Last Samurai, but it starts out with this scene of like the ocean in Japan and all these little islands scattered across the ocean layered in fog. And I, that scene had to be shot. That scene had to be shot around Matsuyama. Huh. Because every single time I come over in the plane, yeah. all you see is these beautiful, really Japanese islands mm -hmm. just scattered throughout the water. And it is like, it's by far my favorite. That I hate leaving here at night because I miss that. Oh. You don't see it as you're taking off. So coming in and leaving during the daytime yeah. is like the best thing ever. Huh. Plus flying from Tokyo to Matsuyama, you get to see Mount Fuji. Right. So I think a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, everybody's going to pitch their hometown as being the best place in Japan to live or like whatever. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people really are partial to Tokyo. I know I'm one of them, hence the name Tokyo Lens. But I'm going to give Sherry a fair opportunity today to pitch why she, I, I do, I really do believe that Matsuyama is great. Mm -hmm. Point in case, this is probably my 22nd or 23rd visit to Matsuyama in total since coming here for the first time back right. in 2014, <laughs> which I still can't believe is 2014. I really thought it was a lot earlier. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it's been five or six years. We've right. Accomplished a lot of business stuff. We've started an yeah. NPO, we've done projects and YouTube things. We had Charlotte come out, we had right. the Shamisen Girls Kiki come out. We have done a lot in a very short time. So now me, I've been here now more than 20 times, but mm -hmm. you, Sherry, yes. you were born and raised right. in Shikoku. Yes. So now I'm from a slightly smaller town in Canada, mm -hmm. but like, you know, I only really, really know life in Tokyo itself because that's where my life and time has been spent. Mm. What was it like as a child growing up in, in Shikoku. I hated it. Okay, tell me a little bit about that. Um, because everything you see on TV is about Tokyo, Osaka, okay. like <laughs> all the like crazy fun places, you know. And even if you watch something on TV and you really want to go, you can't because it's like far, far away that mm. you can ever imagine. And so, as a child, I was hoping that I, you know, when I grew up. I can go to Tokyo, move to Tokyo, and then like, you know, visit all the places I saw on TV. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because like even now, like if you're in Tokyo and watching TV, yeah. it feels really interesting because the majority of the places that you see are all local. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I, uh, I drank some coffee and it went down <laughs> the wrong way. But you're like, for example, like Amiyoko Market or something like that yeah. is constantly pitched on TV and you're like, oh, that's like, I, I can just walk there today, you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I, I never really thought about what that, were there any benefits of growing up in this area as a child? Mmm, I guess it's more chill. Okay. Like, I don't think, like, if what I... What do you mean by chill? Because, like, people are nice and, like, um, we don't have to rush to school or rush to work mm -hmm. or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And like even if we decide to go out for like shopping for the day or something like something like that, um, we don't have to stay in the line for like hours and uh, hours that happens okay. in Tokyo very often. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. I think we're probably gonna touch on like those good points uh -huh. later on. Like those because <laughs> I feel there are a lot of them. But like, so I guess those are like some of the positive things. But I don't really think that as a child you worry about how long you're standing in line yeah, for something, right? Um, the things that stand out to me is like, for example, in Tokyo, there's such population density that everything yeah. is really close. Mm. Everything's either simply and easily accessible by foot or simply and easily accessible by train. Yeah. I know in one of our previous discussions, you talked a lot about how like it's great to like have a car here in Matsuyama. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. We will. <laughs> but like as a child, obviously you're not gonna have that, right? Mm. So as a child, my image of living in the countryside is you're either walking a lot or you're bicycling 
everywhere. Yeah, yeah, we do that. But like, there's no comparison. It's something like, you know, um, when you get the scooter for the first time mm. and you can't believe that like you were bicycling to everywhere, mm. like spending 40 minutes one way mm. as soon as you get a scooter. But you don't, if you don't know that, you're okay with it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's something that I didn't really think. I guess it becomes the norm to you, right? It's, yeah. It's the base. It is what's normal. But like, at the exact same time, I can't imagine... Like, okay, mm. how long was your commute by bicycle from home to school? Uh, junior high school, 30 minutes. Okay. High school, 40 minutes. Okay, so junior high school, 30 minutes. High school, 40 minutes. Round trip, both of them are over an hour. Yes. Was it also like that on rainy days? Yeah, of oh, I don't think... See, that right there to me... <laughs> okay, so you're telling me that on like a 3 degree Celsius rainy winter day, uh -huh. you had to bicycle 40 minutes each way to school and back. Yes. And that that was normal to you. Yeah. <laughs> when I met you, you were actually... You didn't have a car at the time. No. You had like the little like Gensky 50cc scooter. Yes. And I still couldn't believe like on rainy days you were going uh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. You were just getting like downpoured on, like going from location to location for work, mm -hmm. right? But that, to you at the time, was totally normal. Yeah, normal, yeah. Okay. So that's... So we've talked a little bit about, I, I wanted to talk about being a child in the area so that we would have a reference point as we talk about growing up and being an adult okay. in the area. So now if I take, uh, you know, you grew up mm -hmm. and you said that you were like, oh, you know, I always dreamt of living in Tokyo yes. and everything like that. Yes. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about Sherry, I'll give a little bit of background. Sherry, around what was it, high school? You yes, high school. Okay, and you went out where first? Hawaii. Hawaii. For how long? For 10 months. For 10 months. How was it? It was good. It was good. Like first time studying abroad. Mm. Yeah, the weather. Which island? Nice. Uh, Oahu. Oahu. Is, okay. It's like I, I've never been to like, <laughs> I've never been to Hawaii. Mind it's you, it's, the... it's on the plan for like the next year or two, but okay. I've never been there. Yeah, it's one of the most famous islands. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like Honolulu, Waikiki, North Shore, and okay. all that. Yeah. And then after that, you came back to Japan for how long? Uh, about a year. Okay. And then you were off to? Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And how long did you stay in Missouri? Two years. Two years. So a total of roughly three years in the States. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you came back. Right. And from what I understand, when you came back, you originally had a part-time job? Yes. Doing? Selling shoes. <laughs> okay. All right. So you worked at a shoe store, basically. Yes. And then, I think it was at that point we were talking, like, you had the option. You had to make a choice, right? Right. Like, if you were going to continue working here, if you were going to move to Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And instead of moving to Tokyo, which you yourself stated had originally yeah. been the big dream, you decided to stay here in Matsuyama mm -hmm. and start your own business. Yes. All right, so what was the logic behind that? Well, first, I didn't have any money when I came back. And okay. then like I was away from my family. So first, I want to see my family and say hi, spend some time. Makes and sense. I didn't have a uh, driver's license yet. Okay. So that's the like most important thing that yeah. you have to do yeah. when you come back. And then when you uh, started your like, daily job, it's mm. hard to go to school, driving school. Yeah. So that's the first thing I had to do. And then... I'm going to pause you right there. I'm going to pause you right there because I think driving school is really, really different in Japan <laughs> than it is like overseas. Like I'm from Canada and in Canada what you do is you get a learner's permit. Yeah. And that's it's called your G1 and it's a paper test. Okay. It's just a paper test and then you can drive for one year with an experienced driver mm -hmm. who has had a full license for more than five years. Maybe it's three years. I'm not quite sure. I think similar but, to America. Yeah, so you get that and then you take a driving test to get like your next level of license. Mm. But in Japan, yeah. the 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 common way of doing it is much different. You go and you basically live at a driving school for a while, right? Uh, common way is not like that. Common way you commute to the school uh. about three months to six months. Okay. Yeah. So what do you mean you commute? So you go back and forth and take lessons at the driving school? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, all right. So it's like going to Eikaiwa school or, uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. piano lesson and stuff but like that. But like, 
I think that maybe maybe that's common here, uh -huh. but the majority of people who I've talked to who have gotten their license mm. don't want to spend three to six months, like right. an extended period. Yeah. So they go and live at the driving school for what is it, two weeks? Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, okay. So you live, is it like a dormitory? It's like an uh, apartment. So okay. the driving school owns several apartments. Gotcha. And then basically we kind of like pair up and then share the room gotcha, kind of situation. Gotcha. Wow. So, um, just side note. Yeah. You had a roommate? I didn't have a roommate. <gasps> you didn't have a roommate? No. Oh, okay. So you had like a little apartment to yourself. Yes, because I went to... When did I go? I think I went to during like really weird timing. Uh. So it wasn't like right after the graduation or something gotcha. like uh, lots of high school students go. Yeah, yeah. So like... In total, we only have like 10 people at the oh, driving okay. school. That's not too bad. No. All right. All right. So I've really, really sidebarred <laughs> yeah. there. Um, yeah. Really, that right there. <laughs> Welcome to the Tokyo Lens Podcast. <laughs> sidebars and anecdotes and stories are what makes this podcast what it is. So that being said, you got your license. Yes. We were at that part of the story. Yes. You came back. You got your driver's license. Mm -hmm. You spent some time with your family. Yeah. What happened next? And then I need to I needed to earn some money. Obviously. So I got two jobs, one at the Italian restaurant okay. and then one at the shoe store. Okay. Yeah, when I met you, you were actually still doing a bit of part-time at the Italian yes. restaurant like once every two weeks. Yes. For like an like hour. <laughs> like, you're, like, you're like, I don't want to let them down. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That's true. All yeah. right. And then? And then uh, I didn't want to forget English. I wanted to, I wanted to improve my English skills. Mm -hmm. So the quick way to do that is to teach somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, because my mom owns a uh, dance studio. Okay. And we had like open space mm -hmm. within my house. Like uh, I can just like set up some tables and then like, you know, get a small whiteboard and then there, classroom. Yeah, yeah. So now you flash forward from there to 2018 where you own your own business. <laughs> we are currently sitting in your office, yes. which is bigger than most Tokyo homes, to yeah, be honest. I think so. <laughs> yeah, like this is a big office, which, you know, was a lot of fun to build and everything like that. But I'm sidebarring again, getting back to the point of flash forwarding 2018, mm -hmm. you now do teaching, you do translation, you do consulting work, you, right. you basically do it all. Yeah. You've got this giant company and you're still in Matsuyama. Mm -hmm. Aside, okay, so your company aside, uh -huh. okay, so let's say we take just the, the idea of your business aside and let's, say, let's imagine that you, you didn't run your own company. Okay. Would you still be living in Matsuyama? Ah, uh, I don't think so. <gasps> so you've spent all this time trying to convince me that Matsuyama is the best place to live and if you didn't run your own business, <laughs> you yourself would not be living here? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Have I blown this whole thing wide open and just totally destroyed this podcast episode? Is that what has happened right here? <laughs> no, I mean like I don't know if I'm going to <laughs> I'm sorry, I, just... <clears throat> okay. I don't know if I'm going to if... What was I saying? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I threw you off. Yeah, sorry. Like, if I didn't have this company, mm. I might have, like, spent a year or two mm. living in other places. Okay, yeah. You have mentioned that. You have mentioned that. Yeah. But one thing that you always said is that even if it wasn't this business, you would have started some business and you see yourself in Matsuyama. Like you might have spent like a year in Tokyo mm -hmm. or something like that, but mm -hmm. you, you always really pushed hard that you could see yourself in Matsuyama. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was getting at. <laughs> I like, oh no, like, I'm going like, to no, Tokyo. No, I would, I would be out of here so quickly. There would just be like a sherry shaped <laughs> cloud of dust. Like, so yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, not to presume anything, but just to clarify. Yeah. Long term. Mm-hmm. Do you see yourself in Matsuyama or would you see yourself somewhere else in Japan? Probably Matsuyama. Okay. So getting to that point, I have my reasons mm -hmm. for liking Matsuyama. Okay. I have my reasons aside from business work and projects and everything for wanting to visit here 20 times. Yes. 20 plus yes. times. <laughs> now, one of the big ones, like I've, I've actually put together like a small list right here. Like for me, 
I think a large part of like Matsuyama and being here is like it it's it's feels like it's stepping into the past. Oh, okay. There's something that reminds me. So I've been watching these videos of my very first trip ever to Japan recently. Mm -hmm. And a lot of like that that old feeling of like late 90s early 2000s still exists here in Matsuyama. Okay. Like I really feel there's like a classic touch to it. Everything from the architecture and the buildings which are still that old style and haven't been like Tokyo is working really hard right now to prepare for the Olympics. Oh yeah. And so everything's getting torn down and rebuilt. Yeah. Stations are being totally rebuilt. My favorite train line, the Ginza line, mm -hmm. has been totally flipped. Ooh. The old, like, remember the old metal gray trains with the yellow line on the oh, side? Yeah. Gone. There are all these new beautiful yellow trains. And <laughs> they are more spacious, but there's just something like, oh, I miss those trains. You know what I mean? Yeah. They disappear. Yeah. But Matsuyama still has that older architecture, right? Yeah. As you mentioned yourself, the lifestyle and speed. For the number of times that I've come out here, I don't think, as you said, I don't think I've ever had to stand in line for anything <laughs> ever, right? Um, the crowds are nowhere near what they are in Tokyo. Right. And even the, the, the amazing thing to me, the amazing thing to me is the, <laughs> just the, the approach to technology. Like the number of people who still use flip phones and don't have iPhones and everything uh, like that. Yeah. Right? Or the number of people, like, one of the things that we've done a lot out here, for those listeners who don't know, is you and I have done a lot of, like, YouTube-related projects. Yes. We've brought YouTubers out, we've done our own video projects here, everything in between, mm -hmm. right? And the biggest, most challenging aspect of that is when we pitch the idea to somebody and they turn to us and go, what's YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. And we're like, um, where do we start? Right? <laughs> we're going to introduce you to a whole new world. Right? It was more like when I said, like, I, I'm filming the, uh, certain videos with my phone, mm. iPhone, and then they're like, oh, you can, you can make a video? Like, you can <laughs> shoot a video? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and like even one of the meetings that we had earlier today, it was kind of amazing because they were talking about doing, they were, they actually knew what YouTube was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving forward and talking about like the future of their company and how they want to do YouTube. But the thing that blew my mind, they're like, so you like edit your videos, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, they're a fan of your channel. Right. They watch your content. <laughs> and I was like, what, what do you think? They just fall together like that? Like she's just dumps the footage onto the computer and it happens to come out like that. <laughs> or just like snip. <laughs> yeah. So the, the approach to technology brings you to a much simpler time. Mm. In fact, for the listeners right now, I had done a video on the YouTube channel probably six or so months ago. Mm. Um, I can't remember what it was called. It was like the Japan's Hidden Secret, I believe. I oh. believe the name of the... I'm going to link it in the podcast description if you want to check it out. The entire thing was filmed on my iPhone because I didn't bring my camera with me for that trip. But we went through some like hidden areas of Shikoku and found like old temples and whatnot. And, mm -hmm. You know, when you go to a temple in Tokyo, it's beautiful, but more often than not, you're going to have a lot of noise and quite a few people. Yeah. But you come out to the countryside of Shikoku, especially outside of Matsuyama and everything, and it's untouched. Right. And there's nobody. Mm. And there was that monk who invited us in to see areas of the temple that they usually don't show right. people. And that was just, that was amazing. Like, yeah. I was mind blown. He's like, yeah, you can't record this stuff. Um, you can talk about it if you want to, but I'm going to show you like the secret quarters of like the priest and everything like that. And like a room that apparently every temple has, but no one gets to go into. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, he like yeah. opened the door and we couldn't go in. Uh -huh. Right. And it was just, just wow. You would not, you'd be hard pressed mm. to get that same experience in Tokyo. True. So, um, yeah, again, I'm going to link the video in the podcast description. It's just called something like Japan's Hidden Secret. And it talks a lot about why I've grown the love for the area of Shikoku and Matsuyama that I have. But again, this, this isn't so much about me because I still personally believe I haven't moved here yet, which means 
<laughs> I, I still believe that Tokyo is a good place to live. It gives me quick access to everything I want. Right. It's got easy transportation. Yes, it can be crowded, but if you know the city and you know how to avoid the crowds, oh. you can avoid the crowds. True. Right? I don't have to worry about being stuck on a bicycle going 40 kilometers <laughs> on a cold, rainy day, right? So, you know. I, I'd kind of like to talk about like you and the things that you feel as an adult living in Shikoku make it a good place to live. Okay. So what, okay, let's just like just off the top of your head. Okay. What are some of your favorite things about living in Matsuyama that you don't think you'd be able to get anywhere else? Kind of overlaps with something that you mentioned earlier, but... Okay. Personal space. That's the that's the like number one thing for me. Okay. Yeah. It's just like I don't know. It's like very easygoing. Everybody's easygoing. I mean, it's not like Hawaii time that <laughs> if nobody shows up on time and then like yeah. two hours later people start coming in. It's not like that. But still, like I don't know. Like we all have. Uh, because we are not rushed to go somewhere. Yeah. Like when we meet on the street and we can kind of like talk freely and then like greet each other and like we have some connection with the neighborhood yeah. and stuff like that. I like that. Okay. It is really communal. Mm. I will admit that. And things are a little more slow paced. But if I were to counter argue that, because that is the purpose of this podcast and this discussion. Mm. I've lived in Asakusa for the better part of 10 years. Okay. Okay. Well, I left for a while and found my way back. And one of the reasons that I found my way back to Asakusa mm. is because to me, everything that you just described is Asakusa. Hmm. Now, in all fairness, in all fairness, it can still get really crowded. Right. Right. But again, if you're not in that main chunk, and like you've been, you've been to the festival, like the, the yes. big Sanja Matsuri yeah. festival, and you've seen like my Matsuri Chokai Association. Yeah. And like how communal that is. Mm. Like everyone greets me by name, they all make jokes and call me Beckham, right? Yeah. <laughs> you remember that, right? Yeah. They have me out to like play Shamisen, mm. right? They invite me into the tent to sit and drink with them, right? Yeah. It's very, very communal. And when I see those people on the street in a saksa almost every single day mm. they greet me you've walked through a saksa with me and seen like some of the rickshaw drivers be like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. how's it going or like we'll walk by a shop and someone will greet me mm. but i think if you spend enough time in your community and you're active in that community mm. you will get that community feel mind you again coming right back to you have walked through a saksa with me and you've walked through it on some of the crowdest yeah. Crowdiest, crowdedest, in the most crowded, most, crowded. Cr don't make fun of my English, <laughs> in the most crowded days possible. So yeah, you definitely win on terms of like overall peacefulness and crowds, mm. but like also I don't think, I don't know. Um, there, there was, okay, again, sidebarring to a bit of a story here. There was that time where we had like reservations for a restaurant in, in like, uh -huh. I think it was like Sunday evening in oh. Tokyo and the restaurant just called us up and was like uh yeah we're not getting a lot of customers today so we're just gonna cancel your reservation yeah. and close down I don't know if we would have that type of thing happen out here in Matsuyama I don't think I don't think so I never had something like that. I, I never expected to have something like that in Tokyo right let alone Matsuyama but like overall like service hours mm. like you know when restaurant opens close and stuff like that I think over here mm. is longer than Tokyo because like I feel that way I think uh, that was like way back before we met yeah I went to Tokyo because um, that was my brother's first trip to Tokyo okay. and uh, he was still like in high school or something no. and my mom was kind of worried that he never went out ah, of Ehime okay. <laughs> so she's like well if you can take some days off from work oh. why don't you just go and like I give you some like money to spend nice, nice. so just go and have fun and, like oh that's cool right yeah and then like I went to Akihabara just to 
CD, like atmosphere and everything. Yeah. And I went there like 10 <laughs> or something. Way too early. Yep. And everything's like closed. Yep, yep. So, yeah, that doesn't really happen in here, I think. No, no, and I will attest to that. Like a huge culture shock for me, one that I still have not gotten over, mm -hmm. is the fact that Tokyo, despite being Tokyo, everything opens incredibly late, closes incredibly early, and the trains stop running super early as well. Yeah. Like, I've actually, I think I've, I've mentioned it in more than one video on the Tokyo Lens channel, but just going out to, like, a lot of shops in Akihabara don't open till 10.30 or 11, <laughs> sometimes even 11.30 in the morning. I wanted, while I was working my full-time job, I wanted to build a PC for video editing, mm. and I had to go before work. However, at the time, I was starting work, I think, around 11 a.m., mm -hmm. and I was finishing maybe, like, 7, 8 p.m., depending yep. on the day. And it was driving me crazy because I couldn't go before work because the shop wasn't open yet. <laughs> Even if I finished at 7, the shop was already closed. That's crazy. And it's not what you imagine when you think of Tokyo. Right. When you think of Tokyo, you think of it more like New York, the city that never yeah, sleeps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? True. So you don't imagine a city where the shops open at like 11, close at 7, mm. and then trains stop running at like 11, 30, 12 p.m. Yeah. 12 a.m. Not PM. PM is, is lunchtime. That would be terrible, <laughs> terrible service. So, yeah, um, but by contrast, out here this morning, mm. we were driving around at like 9 a.m. and everything was already open. Yeah. And also, I've noticed that if we need to like run out and grab something in the evening here in Shikoku, things still tend to be open at like 8, 9 p.m. It kind yeah. of feels more like it does back home in Canada. Mm. Like Canada, the shopping mall will open at 9 and it closes at 9. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess the, the real true equalizer that is the same across the board mm. is banks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll never get used to... You know, somebody once told me, though, that I think somebody left a comment on my video and I did a little bit of research to it. And bankers' hours is a thing because they, uh, they wanted to control, like, how much people could, like, get their money out of the bank. Oh. And so they would close the bank on purpose before everybody finished work so people wouldn't go to the bank and, like, withdraw a bunch of money. And then, yeah, I don't know if that's mm. a thing, but from what I read, it looks like... That's, it's called banker's hours. It's mm. it's a thing. So. Is that same in Canada? It's not the same in Canada anymore, but there are countries very similar to Japan where banks still close before 5 p.m. Sometimes oh, okay. noon, 2, 3 p.m. So I don't think that's really Japan specific, but it, it is interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Now, if I were to like talk about something like, you know, obviously, you don't have to worry about crowded trains and everything like right. that. These are really obvious points that I think are going to appeal to anywhere in the countryside. But yeah. there have been a few points that you've made over time mm. as to why Matsuyama specifically is where you think is like the best place to live. And I, that's kind of one of the things that I wanted to, to ask about. So w let's start with one of those points. What do you think is one of the, the best points that makes Matsuyama better than other countryside areas? Matsuyama never experienced natural disasters. Okay, I think that's a pretty broad statement. Uh, can you back that up? Like, if I were to search right now on my phone, uh -huh. like Matsuyama earthquake or Matsuyama typhoon, because I remember somebody doing a video mm. like two years ago about your yeah. area getting flooded by a typhoon. So you've made a pretty broad statement there. But in all fairness, in the near five years, that I've, I've like known you and been out to this area. That's the only typhoon I've seen hit. And the rest do yeah. seem to slip by. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when you say... It wasn't flooded. It was like close. The, the river was flooded. The river that is usually dry... Um, yeah. ...was like... Like, 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 like super deep. Anyways, my, <laughs> there's, there's my incredibly eloquent English. Eloquent. Like, 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 super deep. <laughs> Anyways, moving on, moving on. So that fairly broad statement of like, you know, Matsuyama doesn't get hit by natural disasters. Mm. Um, what, like, what do you mean by that? I guess more specifically. Well, as you say, typhoon doesn't usually hit. No, no. And even if it does, it doesn't really affect anything. Yeah. Uh, we have like warnings and stuff, mm. just in case. But like we had an event on the day of the typhoon. Yeah, yeah. And we expected some like wind and the rain, but 
it was sunny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's something that, like, when you first told me, I think back in like 2015-ish, you're like, "Oh, the typhoons don't actually hit us, so you don't need to worry." Yeah. I was like, "What are, what are you talking about? Like, the the line is always drawn right across Matsuyama." <laughs> yep. And like, it'll it'll hit Fukuoka mm -hmm. or Kyushu, and it'll it'll hit like Yamanashi, it'll hit Tokyo, <laughs> and everything along the line. But it, it's like. Something happens as it passes Matsuyama that it just goes around. Usually it's Mount Isizuchi. Okay, it has That's the mountain that just like blocks it out. Yeah. Okay, that may, yeah, the mountains really can like impact the overall flow of weather, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you said yourself, it took you forever to actually see Mount Fuji because every time you pass by it, mm -hmm. it was just shrouded in clouds. Yeah, yeah. Because it absorbs all weather. Right. Right? Fair enough. Okay. So, and I think there was one more like really big point that you were talking about in terms of like earthquakes and whatnot. Like, have you guys been hit in your lifetime? Can you remember any major earthquake that's hit this area? Yes, yes. It's called Geiyojishin. Okay, when was that? That was when I was 10, okay. so 16 years ago. Okay. It was pretty big, uh huh. but it wasn't as big as, like, you know, um, Higashi Nihon, okay. Daishinsai, yeah, yeah. or any other major ones. Gotcha. Uh, I can't tell. You don't the, remember the magnitude? No, like we That's don't okay. use magnitude. We yeah, use, use shindo. shindo. It's yeah, different, yeah. and then yeah. the scale di uh, still has been like changed. Yeah, after it's updated. Yeah. yeah, so I can't really say that, but it was the biggest earthquake I ever felt. Okay. And it was kind of scary as a child. Yeah, yeah, obviously. But. And we, a lot of scientists are expecting that there will be a huge earthquake would happen in the uh, Kochi side oh, okay. of the ocean. Oh, okay. So the other, like, the side, other side of Shikoku. But so uh, like, many people worry about tsunami more than the mm -hmm. earthquake because like most of the, the structure of buildings and houses are strong enough okay. to like just to keep standing even yeah, though yeah. Like, it shakes. But we can't help tsunami. Mm -hmm. But because we are facing Seto Naikai, yeah. and tsunami never going to go over the Shikoku mountain, yeah. and it comes uh, okay. to Matsuyama. Yeah, yeah. That's actually one of the things, like, it's like kind of sidebarring. Mm. Um, one of the things that I'm actually really impressed because I've been to a lot of countryside areas in Japan and just the proximity of the ocean mountains and city in Matsuyama yeah. is amazing. Like the, the mountains actually do, for you guys, block like tsunami and stuff yes. like that. Like that's, you've got like a natural barrier <laughs> there. We do. Do you know if the area has ever actually been hit by a tsunami? Mm, no. As in, no, you don't know, or no, it I, hasn't? I, I don't know. Okay, no. that might be worth researching. We probably yeah. should have done that before <laughs> starting to record this podcast. But say love you. Okay, so overall, natural disaster-wise, you feel safe. Yeah. See, that's something that I can't say about Tokyo. When it comes to natural disasters, I don't feel safe. Because Tokyo is right. like right near a major fault line. Right. Like Chiba and Ibaraki are constantly getting hit. Mm. <clears throat> Mount Fuji is just southwest of us. Mm -hmm. And there was a while after like the great like 11-11, 11-11? 11-11? Was it, when was the, the March 11th, 3-11. Oh, yes. The 3-11 the earthquake yeah. that everyone was like that, Mount Fuji's gonna go again. Like, I actually climbed Mount Fuji after that and everyone was like, don't climb it at that time. Mount Fuji's gonna blow, like you're gonna die. Right. And so, you don't really feel that safe. Mm. Also, like, it was close enough to the nuclear power plants to create worry. Right. Right? right. And like, even now, like, you, you know we have enough distance from the nuclear power plants mm. that it's not really gonna affect us in any way. However, mm. We're still close enough to the area of Fukushima that you have to check your food. Uh, you have to make sure that your food is not coming from that part of Japan. Mm. Just because like, you know, you can't guarantee the quality control. Mm. And I feel that was one of the early discussions that you and I had mm. back in like 2015, 2016. Um. 
You're like, ha, we've never needed to worry about getting contaminated Fukushima food. Well, maybe that, but like we do have a, a nuclear power plant in Ehime too. But it didn't melt down and uh, no, destroy no, right, the right. area and like contaminate all the groundwater and everything. I mean, in the future. Yeah, yeah, in the future if there is, uh, yeah. But I mean like in terms of like day-to-day -day living, mm. right now, like I actually, when I go out grocery shopping, I have to check the food that I'm purchasing to make sure it's not from that area. Mm. And that's not a worry that you would have, mm -hmm. right? It's not like they ship Fukushima like stuff out to here anyway, mm. and you guys have a lot of your own natural resources Like there's one that Sherry and I have been arguing about for a little while uh -huh. And it's that I love Mikan the little like Japanese oranges mm. and in Tokyo Those Mikan are gonna cost me three <laughs> to five hundred yen for a small bag of them And you're saying that you get entire boxes of them for free yep. here in Shikoku. <laughs> yes, you can I'm not even gonna get into that <laughs> I'm not even, but the other thing that we talked about was the climate. Oh, like yeah. you guys, I've been here in summer, I've been here in winter, you do not get with the hit with these super hot and humid no. summers that we get in Tokyo or even Kyoto. Mm. Right? It's like we don't have like the tall concrete buildings everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if it's Kyoto, for example, I don't know how many of you know this, but for the podcast listeners, Kyoto itself is surrounded on three sides by mountains yeah. which face directly to the ocean. So what happens in the summer is it just picks up that moisture off the ocean and just traps it it's right horrible. there. And it is probably like, it's one of the most humid places yeah, in Japan. So. Yeah. It's like famously humid. And Tokyo is just as bad. It's just a concrete oven. Yeah. <laughs> like it absorbs. And they try to like wet the concrete to like, uh... you know, decrease the heat or what. I don't really think it helps because it's not like so. it's not like they're wetting the whole city it's just in front right. of their shop right yeah and so and even winters here aren't that bad no we don't have snow no you don't <laughs> yeah like we said it's all oh, it's freaking cold because it's below zero and that's like minus three yeah and just just in the morning yeah yeah <laughs> and then we freak out <laughs> so See, Tokyo doesn't really hit. Tokyo goes like below zero maybe once or twice a year. Okay. It'll snow that once or twice a year. Mm. But again, it's just the buildings and the, the buildings create yeah. wind tunnels. And so like Shikoku isn't super windy. Right. But Tokyo can be. Yeah. Especially surprised. if you get closer to like Tokyo Bay or one of the rivers and you're like in between buildings It just creates this wind tunnel and yeah, so I will, I will give you points for the climate <laughs> Yay, I will definitely give you points for the climate In a lot of ways I feel that if I had to live somewhere that wasn't Tokyo mm. I might consider a place like Matsuyama. Yeah, you know you have done a lot to like to push the benefits There are mm. things that there's a lot of countryside areas in Japan that are great and yeah. I've been to many of them like Spanning all the way from Kyushu up to Hokkaido. Mm. There are great places like you came to me uh, You came with me to Aomori, right for the Tsugarujami Sentaikai mm -hmm. and that was really nice yeah. too, but Oddly enough, everything was really widely spaced out. True, true, true. Like everything was really far from everything else. Yeah, I felt that. Yeah. Like even the distance between like if you wanted to go like mountain to ocean or something, that's like half a day drive. Mm. Whereas if I wanted to go from mountain city ocean here, <laughs> it's like mountains of the city is 20 minutes, city of the ocean is another 20 minutes. Yeah. Everything's like 20 to 30 minutes right. here. So I feel like everything's really crammed into a smaller space in Matsuyama without being overcrowded. Mm. Um, it seems like house prices and everything are also insanely reasonable. Oh yeah. Unlike yeah. spending half a mil for a tiny apartment in Tokyo, which, and that's like, that's fairly normal. Mm. Like a good apartment is going to be like one to three million dollars. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For one to three million dollars, I feel like you could get a pretty significant home. Yeah, I think so. Not like apartment, like a house house. Yeah, yeah. Or if you were to get an apartment for like three million dollars in Matsuyama, I feel like you could get like... Why am I talking about three million dollars? As, <laughs> as if that's like a relatable number to any human. <laughs> like, even I me. I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking of like the, the upper end. Like I had, I had a friend uh, who worked for an embassy, uh -huh. and his embassy put him in an apartment for about a year and a half. Okay. 
and the apartment that he lived in was valued at purchase time at $4.5 million. Ooh. And now that felt more like a Western apartment, just in terms of size. Mm. It was like a two bedroom apartment, living room was big and spacious, okay. kitchen was a big spacious open concept, right? It was normal North American size, mm. but still being close to $5 million just to yeah, get that, no. That's crazy. And I feel like, you know, your home is, is like among the biggest I've seen in Japan. <laughs> And it's not like, it's not like you come from a, like, uh, I hope you don't mind me sharing, but yeah. your father's an educator, your yeah. mother's a dance teacher. Yeah. It's not like you, you know, it's not like your father's on Wall Street. No, or, no, no, you know? no. Far away from that. You guys are very, very normal people here yes, in Japan. Yes. And you have a three-story home. Yeah. And also, not to mention that, like, they have three kids. Yeah, including yeah. Including me. That would be, that would be unbelievable in Tokyo. Right. Right? But, like... You know, like here, putting your kids to a daycare or kindergarten, uh. even the international school, uh. it's dirt cheap. Yeah, I've heard that Tokyo can be insanely expensive. Yeah. So I guess we've like, that, that kind of, we've, we've touched on all of it. We've touched on the safety, we've touched <laughs> on the climate, proximity, you know, past, present, future, right? You can really, I think one of the big things that I want to push, um, the thing that, I think this is the thing that stops me from like thinking about living here and mm. makes it a great place for me to visit mm. is that for me, Shikoku, Matsuyama and the surrounding area, mm. this is my adventure zone. Uh. Every time I come here, there's something new to explore. Mm. This is like untouched territory. Okay. It's not the Kyoto, the Osaka, the Fukuoka, the Tokyo. Mm. It's not the, the typical traveled places that everyone goes to. It's not the place that you're gonna find in every guidebook, blog, website, or mm. YouTube video. There are so many spots that you can go to where you look them up on the map or on Google or on Yahoo and there's zero information <laughs> about them. And I love that. You can come to an area like Shikoku and feel like an explorer. Yeah. And I guess that would translate into living here as well. Mm. But I, I still, I'm sorry, I'm still partial to Tokyo. You haven't won me over just yet. But like, I don't know, it's kind of like, interestingly, that's like Tokyo for me. Okay. So you come here for adventure, mm. explore something new. Yeah. But for me, because everything every day is so chill and easy going, mm. it can all blend together. Like I mean, like mm. I need to go to Tokyo here and there. Like I don't want to be um, everyday thing. Yeah, I yeah. live there and then like feel that many people, <laughs> <laughs> feel that many people every day uh. and stressed out about it. Mm. But I need like. As you said, there are so many creative people and it, uh, yeah, you yeah, got yeah. easy access to everything. Mm. If you pitch the right idea to right people, it just happened in a second. Like everything just like, yeah. you know, forms in a second. But the thing is that makes it easy as well. I feel like it's really easy to get lazy and complacent in that situation Aww. because it's, it's right there. You reach out, you can reach out a hundred times with a crappy approach and land something. Aww. Whereas here you have to have the right approach. I think True. here to do business in a place like this, you actually need skill. Yeah, but like opportunities are there. Yeah, yeah, that, that is true. There's no shortage of like opportunity in Tokyo if you have uh -huh. the skill again to grab it. But a lot of people just, as I said, uh, any, anyway, anyway. <laughs> we're getting into business discussion and really this here is, is talking about, you know, the, the countryside versus Vers Tokyo. Yeah, so right. let's not sidebar too much because I, we could just get into that stuff forever. Well, but like, um, like I kind of miss the moment that I, I say something like I have this idea oh. like I want to do this I want to live my life this way and then I like to have people who understand me mm -hmm. it's hard to have those people in the, the countryside yeah. because like for especially mm. for women young women like they go to school graduate from college get like okay job and then like find boyfriend and get married and then raise kids that's like should happen with like within mm. like maybe like in 20s right whereas like i want to build my life yeah right and i'm like i'm 26 like i'm still like starting yeah yeah, yeah exactly and but 
for many people in the countryside, that's like, oh, because you couldn't find the right man. Yeah. So that's okay. the way of like,、uh, that's the way of you not saying that you lost. <laughs> you know? You know, that's something that I didn't think about. And it's really, that touches on the cultural aspect、uh, of like living in the countryside. And it's a really interesting, like, Difference, if you will,、mm. because there's a different way of thinking, right? At 26 in Tokyo, having the business that you have、yeah. and the life that you have, it's kind of amazing and impressive, right?、Mm. It's like, wow, look at her go, right? And、yeah. she's still only 26, <laughs> but like, You're not gonna get the she's still only 26 in the countryside. If anything,、no. we've had discussions that you've gotten the opposite. Like, yo, you're already 26.、Uh. Like, your life is done. Yeah. Because, like, around you in the countryside, something that I've noticed,、um, again, to the listeners of the podcast, is that the life. While the life moves a lot slower out、mm. in the countryside,、mm. it also kind of oddly moves a lot faster. True. The, the, the line of life events happens faster. People will fall in love with somebody during high school. They might、right. not even go to university,、mm -hmm. right? By the time they're 20, they're already married, they're having kids,、yeah. right? The guy gets a job like driving and shipping and stuff, or maybe at a local office.、Mm. By the time they're 25, they've already got three kids and they've owned their house for a while now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, In Tokyo, though, like <laughs> your situation,、mm. being like single and working and everything like that at、yeah. the age of 26, like people would be like, well, you're, you're still a kid, of course. <laughs>、yeah. Right? Like to me, to me, like I'm starting my life over and doing a new challenge.、Mm. And like I'm still like, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever talked about my age. I'm like <laughs> early 30s still. <laughs> I'm early 30s still. I don't like, have I ever talked about the age? I'm not sure.、Um, it's not, you know, anyway.、Mm. But, like, to me, like, I'm still young. Yeah. Like, I feel the exact same as I did when I was like 25, 26. Everything's still an adventure,、mm. right? So, and I think that's kind of where this started was like the adventure side of it. You feel like going to Tokyo、yeah. is like the adventure for you and exploring.、Mm -hmm. But to, I think our definition of adventure is a little different in that way、mm -hmm. because to me, going like going to Tokyo, there is lots of exploration to do. But、mm. honestly, it's one of the reasons why I didn't really travel for as long as I didn't travel is because I can just look it all up on my phone、uh, and it's all right there. True. And like, I like the untouched, like,、mm. wilderness, if you will, whether、mm. it be like in the city or outside. That's why I love finding hidden secrets in Tokyo that, like, you can't just look up and see on a map.、Mm -hmm. Or something that when you're like looking for Tokyo events or like cool places in Tokyo that doesn't just pop up.、Mm. Because that level of exploration, finding something that you can't find by Googling it, that is what adventure is. To me. I see it. And that is one of the reasons, if any, why I feel that this area wins out over Tokyo. Tokyo does still have a lot of that. Yeah. It does still have a lot, but there's also information overload in Tokyo.、Mm. Whereas here, I don't feel like Tokyo, you could, if you don't know about Tokyo,、uh -huh. you get on a train, go anywhere, get off the station, and be like, hey, look at that. Yeah, true. But you could also put that thing's name into Google.、Mm. And would come up with a ton of information about it.、Mm. So there's everything you need to know about that cool thing you just quote unquote discovered、uh, right there.、Yeah. Whereas you and I have had, like when we drove out to like Kochi, for example,、uh -huh. we got out and there was like a tunnel and like a, a hidden、uh, like waterfall、yeah. and everything. Like it was just a hole in the side of the mountain.、Uh -huh. And we're like, is that a hole in the mountain? <laughs> and we like, go we Googled it and there was nothing. nothing. <laughs> And we went into this tunnel,、uh. and it was like this secret like, world that looked like the fountain of youth from Pirates of the Caribbean.、Mm, just like this tunnel and this beautiful river running through, and all this like, foliage. And just、right. the, as we got through the tunnel, it broke into this open grove inside the mountains, and there was moss and fog and light coming through, and there was nothing on Google.、Mm. There was nothing about it. Googleable. Googleable. Is, is, is that a word? <laughs> Googleable. It's a word now. Googleable is now a word.、Um, we're just going to add it to Urban Dictionary <laughs> if it's not already there. But yeah, so that's, to me, that's adventure. And that's what I like、mm. the most about this area. So that's, that's me. 
Okay. If I had to pin down the one thing I like the absolute most about this area, mm. it would be that. Mm. I'm putting you on the spot, a lot of pressure right here. But <laughs> oh, if yeah. you had to pin down the one thing mm. that would make you come back to Matsuyama, the one thing that like, you know, you've said like you might want to live overseas again. Yeah. You might want to live in Tokyo for a bit. Yeah. But you always say that you can see yourself ending up back in Matsuyama. Mm. What is it if you had to pin it down to one key thing? Uh, it's so vague, but it's overall atmosphere. Okay. The, the atmosphere that I didn't really like when I was a child. Yeah. I think like having you and Charla uh. and Kiki actually helped. Okay. I guess like up to that point, I was still unsure. Mm. Like I think I can find like a second hometown. Yeah. In some other places, you yeah. know. But then, like when I hear you guys are making, like when you and you guys are talking and making videos and like, like seeing from other person's uh. eyes, huh? I'm living in like an awesome place. Gotcha. Yeah, and you know what? To be honest, that I talk about it all the time. I've actually I've done an entire podcast on like the best part of living in Japan, mm. and like the best part of living in Japan to me, like I think. Top of the list is having visitors oh. because every single time I have a visitor I'm able to re-experience Japan through the eyes of that visitor uh -huh. and it looks like so much more of an interesting one of the things that I don't actually ever talk about on the podcast <laughs> or on the vlog is a large pushing factor there were a lot of factors that contributed to me creating the mm. Tokyo Lens YouTube channel, but one of the things that got me into a positive enough mindset to think that I want to share mm. was before starting the podcast, think of how many visitors I had. My little sister visited, my, my brother had visited, mm. right? My sister and mother had visited. Mm. People just kept visiting, like one to two visitors every single year right. for like three years up until I launched the YouTube channel and getting to see like Tokyo and Japan through all of their eyes oh. made me realize how much I really love this place and as I said I was looking for a way to increase the positivity in my life and share the things that I love right and I had my love for Tokyo and Japan refreshed by having all these visitors so that's really relatable mm. it's really really relatable even back when I was in Toronto for example yeah my Japanese friends knew more about Toronto than I did and I fell in love with Toronto because of yeah, yeah, the visitors, right? So that was really interesting. And yeah, I get what you mean by the atmosphere. Mm. There's a certain feel. Mm. I think if Matsuyama was a food, the flavor mm. would be very well balanced. Mm. It would be one of those flavors that Tokyo is a flavor that you can eat, yeah. but you can't eat forever. It's a little yeah, too salty yeah, or it's a yeah. little too sweet or whatever it is. Mm. But Matsuyama is one of those foods that if you could only have this food forever, right. you could probably survive off of the food that is Matsuyama. Mm. That's a really weird mm. like description and anecdote, but yeah, the flavor yeah. of Matsuyama. Yeah. So, okay. Now, that being said, mm -hmm. um, I think that we've gone fairly... <laughs> fairly deep into this podcast. Uh, this has been one of the longer ones that I've done so far, but I've really, really enjoyed having you as a guest on this one. Is this the first podcast that we've done together? Yeah, this is the it very, is? very first. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry about that. No. Especially considering that like one of the first podcasts that I ever did, the Otenashi podcast, uh. you were like sitting beside us as we recorded that podcast. I was more like, you know, filming. Ah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, I was because that that, gone that gyokan place that we were checking out had like glass floors. Yeah, it was interesting. It was really, really interesting. And again, I have sidebarred quite a bit. So I do want to express gratitude to you and say thank you for joining this podcast. It's really awesome to have you here. I'm actually in case you don't know who Sherry is, in, in the odd case that you don't and you haven't seen her on the videos, what I'm going to do is I'm also going to link Sherry's channel in the podcast description below in case that's something that you're interested in checking out. Sherry showcases life in this area of Matsuyama mm -hmm. and everything. You know, she shows a lot of cool places and just kind of the background of your life and what it's like right. to live here. Honestly, I personally 
feel that she could be doing a lot more with it. She's <laughs> in a very, very unique position to be sharing what the countryside lifestyle is. And mm. um, you know, even uh, Greg from Life Where I'm From, oh, yeah. right? He was saying like, nobody is in the position that you're in. You right, should be right. sharing more content. <laughs> yes, so yes, if yes. you guys, uh, if you guys already subscribe to Sherry's channel, um, leave a little pressure on her videos and say, hey, Please. we want to see more <laughs> of this type of content. If you're not and you're just checking it out for the first time and you enjoy it, let her know what you'd like to see. Because again, as we were talking about at the end of this, it's really about the visitors, mm -hmm. right? It's about the people who aren't from here because yes. they attach to something beautiful that's just become so normal to us, mm. right? And so I think, you know, getting the input from viewers and yeah. all of that yeah. is a great way to build the content. It is. Anyway. I, I've sidebarred really heavily into that. <laughs> really, I just want to say thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you for, for having me. Absolutely, my pleasure. It's, it's been awesome. Props, Yay. high five, all that stuff. <laughs> and to all of you who have actually taken the time to sit through and listen to this podcast all the way up until the end, I hope it was worth it and I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I also hope that whatever you're doing as you listen to this podcast, whether it be out for a jog, a drive, walking the dog, taking a bath, whatever it is, I hope it's going really well for you. Um, if you are taking a bath, you're probably pretty wrinkled by now because this has been a long <laughs> it's podcast. It's been like more than an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, as always, guys, it would mean the absolute world to me if you take the time to leave a rating. A lot of you have done it so far. I'd like to see a couple more ratings on there. Maybe leave a little comment, some feedback from you guys. It really helps me as a creator here on the podcast. It motivates me to get more stuff out there as well. So if you would be willing to take two more minutes out of your day just to leave a rating on the podcast, honestly, it would mean the world to me. I think you can do it on Google. You can definitely do it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys so much, as always, for joining. So much, really. I, I really enjoyed this podcast. Yeah, me too. It's been a it was lot fun. of fun. Yeah. And uh, you guys know that that motorcycle is very loud. I don't know if you can hear that, but it was incredibly distracting. It's he's getting closer. Yeah. It's not even. It's not even okay. So, right. <laughs> you guys know that I am the most distracted person on earth. Anyways, you guys know that I will see you again real soon. Bye, guys. <laughs>